Welcome to this episode of TechLink in Conversation. I'm Eddie Grant, a director at Technical Connection. During our conversations, we seek to review the topical bulletins published on TechLink, our knowledge management tool for all things tax, trust, pensions, and much, much more. Today, we're going to do something slightly different, and I'm delighted to be joined by Hannah Kofi, who's our Vulnerability and Client Assistance Manager. Thank you for joining us today, Hannah. How are you? Good morning. Thank you. I'm very well. I'm um, a bit of a miserable bean, so I'm quite glad that we've got proper October autumnal weather at this point rather than being hot. So, yeah, probably unlike everybody else, that makes me happy. <laughs> Says the person who's just come back from uh, two weeks in the sunshine. Yeah. yeah. So you, you had you, probably overdid it. <laughs> you were topped up in sunshine. Uh, yeah. whilst, the rest, whilst the rest of us stayed here in the in the rain. Um, I think really uh, what I'd like to do is start off with the, probably what I always think is the most important question. So I am going to get through this conversation with my trusted cup of tea. I've actually got a Victoria Grey tea today, which is a, uh, a green tea uh, with flowers in it. Uh, what's going to get you through our conversation this morning? I'm I'm pretty basic. I'm just a black coffee girl. <laughs> no milk, just black coffee. Just black coffee, yeah. I I don't. I would treat myself to a latte if I was out and about, but in the house, I'm 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 basic. <laughs> <laughs> well, enjoy your coffee. Um, when we last caught up, and it was a while ago, um, you were just beginning uh, a rival podcast. Which is uh, which is called Resilience in a Changing World, which is which is a client-facing podcast. Um, do you want to just tell the listeners a little bit about that and and how's it going? Yeah, absolutely. So it is really for clients, I guess, rather than financial advisors. But actually, it's for me, it's just a podcast for anybody and everybody. You know, we had um, I chat about it in, in the intro always. You know, the world's been a little bit odd. I guess over the last couple of years, you've gone straight from um, COVID and all of us dealing with that mentally and physically into um, wars and into this kind of cost of living crisis, which the media has obviously called a crisis to make us, I think, panic even more than perhaps we need to. And it's just, it's a bit of a hints and tips uh, podcast, I guess, really. You know, it's Often, I, I, I sit with uh, Laura Retty, who is a financial expert and, and has done a lot of um, interviews on, on the likes of the BBC. And, you know, when she's talking, she brings up ideas and, and, and thoughts that actually don't, you know, it, it's probably not like we've never thought of them ourselves, but she puts it into practice and makes it kind of sensical. Um, so I, I'll give you a couple of examples of some of the pod, um, sorry, the, the episodes we've done throughout the year because they're, they're monthly this year. So we've looked at things like your credit score and why it matters and, and the little things that you can do to improve it, all the big things. How to save money on your food shopping and your motor costs. Things like how to give your house the best chance of selling and, and selling quickly. How to boost your income, common financial mistakes, what a recession means to your finances and how it will end. So you know, things that I think bother or, or sit in the back of a lot of our minds. So it's been super helpful. I've taken away a lot of hints and tips and, and, and I've got quite a bit of uh, good feedback. So I'm hoping it's been really useful. 
sounds really interesting. And and how do people get access to it, and how do clients find you? Sure. So I'm not the most technologically savvy person in the world, so so I lean on a colleague of mine to update <laughs> all of these profiles. But I think it's available on um, Apple. You know, so so your normal kind of podcast stuff on your on your iPhone, your iPads, uh, Spotify. It's of course available on um, TechLink, and uh, we use a platform called Podbean as well, I believe. Yeah, so you can find it there too. And you type in resilience in a changing world, and uh, it should appear. Yep, all of them should it, appear. So there's as if by magic. And I think <laughs> if you if you just put it in your um, in your web browser as well, I think it will find all the different uh, uh, providers. So, uh, I, I, you know, I've listened to them all, and I, I would say that, you know, they're really great. Uh, Laura Retty is, uh, um, is a really great uh, um, co-host with you. And I think from, you know, from our perspective, it's all about just trying to help people out um, and, you uh, from an advisor's point of view, obviously, it's a, it's a great way of raising awareness and education for yeah. for clients. So, uh, so that helps. You know, it's, it's a really good thing to hand out to your clients as well. You know, Laura and I get on quite well now when it's very much not doom and gloom. You know, we have a laugh while we're talking about all of these hints and tips. So it's quite a friendly, nice thing to hand out to clients as well if they're struggling, hopefully. Brilliant. Brilliant. And um, and vulnerability for me um, just feels like such a massive spectrum of different vulnerabilities, and I suppose it's quite it can be quite daunting for an advisor really to pick up on them all. Um, but if we were to focus on you know two or three, what would you say in your experience are the the top three that you're seeing at the moment? Sure. So. That's actually probably quite an easy one. And I guess when, you know, when I talk about these different areas of vulnerability, again, it'll be no surprise, but I think it's quite new to the industry and some financial advisors, I guess, to have to talk about them in depth for some of their clients. So the biggest one is always, unfortunately, going to be bereavements. You know, death is the only guarantee that we really all have in life. And it's undeniably always, nearly always, um, a painful event and, and something that can take you know, some clients weeks, months, years to, to get over and, and, and to heal and, and, and kind of accept it. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, well, I, I would imagine every every advisor listening to this or anybody in the industry has not only dealt with a bereavement themselves, but dealt with clients who are um, bereaved. And, you know, the biggest thing here is to think for me about your soft skills and, and your empathy and to really think that you know providing advice is it, you know we need to focus on people's personal well-being as much as we do their financial well-being and perhaps when someone's bereaved what we need to do is actually put our technical skills aside for the moment let the you know financial strategy take a little bit of a, a back seat maybe changes to a financial situation aren't actually the best idea at that point in time and to focus on you know really how the client's doing and, and to see if there's actually anything that you can do to support them emotionally as as, as well as financially 
the next thing I think that crops up a lot for me is uh, divorce. You know, I can't actually remember off the top of my head how many marriages end in divorce. I like to avoid those negative statistics, but I think it's quite a few, sadly. Um, and, you know, with that, the financial advisor has probably advised the couple for quite a period of time. And, and one of the real tricky things I think immediately sparks a light bulb in, a, in an advisor's mind is, oh, hell, can I still advise both of them? And how do I get around that? And how do we, you know, make sure that I'm taking both of their needs and, and, and priorities into account, not breaching GDPR? And the, the likelihood of it being completely amicable the entire time is probably fairly small. You know, your, your situation's changing, you know, as you're going through a divorce, probably more than you've even ever realised yourself. And financials is always a tetchy thing, I think. And, and, and there's probably likely to be a point where one half but now not half of the party I guess is upset for a moment in time and it may swap and the other one might feel more emotional and you know how do you manage that you've got to be really open and honest with them and you know talk about how you're going to support both of them how you know that you will do everything you can not to breach GDPR or uh, share information also with 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 that uh, the, the 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 two the couple getting divorced may bring in say children to help mediate the situation if it's particularly uncomfortable and actually you'll need to have quite a an honest and frank conversation with that third party that's coming in as a mediator that they, they need to be mindful not to share information across the parties when meeting with the financial advisor too so you've probably got to take that into account as well the next one for me then is cognitive decline and th this is so difficult because as an advisor or you know a, a professional going into a home or having a client come to see you you might spot signs and symptoms or differences in your client that perhaps their loved ones so family members or really close friends either haven't spotted because it's happening you know minuscule changes day by day or actually maybe they're just turning a blind eye to it because they don't want to see that. And I totally understand that too. But we've got to be very careful not to cross a line here because actually we aren't clinical. So as much as we can see these changes and, and you know, it's a really good opportunity for us to help the client and their family in raising it. Be careful how you do that and don't cross the line into the clinical world. Did I answer your question or did I go on a bit of a tangent there? <laughs> no, I, I think so. I, as, as you were talking, I was thinking... Um, first of all, I was thinking about the three um, or the series of, of vulnerability podcasts that you did a while back with three hands where you had the, the lived experience and, and, and you had one on, on, on all of those three subjects. And I, I would certainly urge uh, listeners to, to go back and look at the back catalogue. We'll put some links in the in the notes. Um, because because that series was phenomenal and, and the, the subjects that you covered. But more importantly, having the, the lived experience uh, there in, 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 uh, really helped enlighten uh, listeners. Yeah. I also think um, when you, when, in terms of bereavement, um, it sort of links back to something that, that I've been working on around 
digital estate planning. Um, I, as 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 you know, Hannah, I, I'm obsessed about being hit by a bus. Um, I'm not quite sure who's going to be driving the bus, but but let's um, you know, it's something that really concerns me, and it's not it. it and, and the concern I have is what happens to my wife, Marina, and my children. And um, there's always a lead person in the family who tends to do the financial stuff. And, uh, you know, it's me and our family just because I've been doing this for 30 years now. Um, but there's always a lead. And, and it's about sharing that information, getting, making sure people know where documents are, making sure people, uh, the rest of your family know uh you know how you get into passwords and, and in our in our life today we we um you know we're all digital most of the stuff's on our phones you either need a thumbprint or a, a faced id to get into them yeah. um so so how you know if i got hit by that bus how would marina um uh be able to take control uh of things that she wasn't currently doing so a lot of what i've been doing is is making sure I chose an advisor that Marina likes. Not, not that I don't like the advisor, but the important thing for me was that the advisor becomes the go-to person for for Marina and the kids. The kids all know the advisor. Um, the digital estate plan is so I'm you know trying to put together a plan so that you know it's easy for her to to access the information. It's all in a place where she knows where it is. We talk about it a lot. Um, you know, we bring in the rest of the family to to talk about things, so they 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 know what our wishes are. Updated our last and powers of attorney, updated our wills. So it's a process that we've been going on, nudged by our advisor as well. And I think that's you know, you think about these topics of bereavements and divorce and everything else. These are periods of of, of where you feel you've lost control. Um, so I think you can do quite a lot to help ensure your family uh, that that feeling of loss, losing control isn't as bad as it, it is. Because if if they don't know where all the documents are, if they can't access your accounts, if they if they can't take control of of uh, joint accounts and finances, then then actually just makes the situation worse. Yeah. And, and especially with divorce, you know, men, you know, many, you know, there's always one of the couples that basically just feels lost because they that you know things they they never did before they're now having to do for themselves um and and the non-financial benefit of an advisor is so important because actually in those situations about giving putting people back in control of their lives and their destiny and I, and I think vulnerability has a big emphasis on that and and we'll be doing more on digital estate planning um, and talking about that in in the coming weeks and months, because uh, we've been doing a lot of research on on that particular area. You hit on a on, on a key topic for me there as well. So you talked about ensuring that your loved ones have got access to to all of your passwords and your accounts, and, and so you're able to build up that digital you know estate planning. But powers of attorney that's something that I talk about almost every day. I think there's still sometimes a bit of an old fashioned view on a power of attorney that you create a power of attorney document when you're, I'll say in inverted commas, old, right? Actually, you and I aren't old, but you're right. If you were hit by a bus tomorrow, and that could happen at 21, if you haven't created that power of attorney, 
your loved ones having access to your accounts is is great but actually they can't make any decisions on your behalf and a lot of our clients don't have this power of attorney until they hit the point where they think that they're old and actually we should all really have one from you know yeah. 18 onwards and that's that's a real big thing and and, and I'm, you know we're, we're seeing quite a shift in the industry now as partners you know encourage younger clients to have them and it, and it also gives us this if we've got the power of attorney on file we know who it is and we've met them it gives you an emergency contact should something happen to your client so that you're not you know stuck thinking this person needs help and i don't know where to turn to yeah and i th- and i think one of the one of the tips i i picked up um was actually in terms of certifying those documents so with the last and power attorney you can certify them yourself if you've got mental capacity and so therefore rather than what often happens is when you need one of those documents it, it, you know let's say there's a uh, you know someone's had a stroke or something and you need to get that that document certified you're doing it at a time of in, you know immense pressure because you you're dealing with someone who's just had a stroke uh, actually the time to get that certified document is when everyone is fit and healthy and has full capacity and actually you can do it yourself so you don't actually have to spend the extra money to take a solicitor to get it done you can certify your own document and and actually um you know it's something to do at leisure rather than do when you're under pressure um and i think that's really really important and something that a, a financial planner can can help with you've um, created a bit of a tagline there do it at leisure the other thing that um, that I hear a lot about, and I think you've you you've been involved in some of it, is around tools to assess uh, vulnerability. And there's, there's there's a couple out there. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about about those tools? Yeah. So in terms of actually addressing any kind of vulnerability with a client, there are two that that I use in the main and, and, and have quite a bit of a connection with the two companies because we've spent a lot of time analyzing the tool and how it works and, and, and seeing the benefit of it benefit of it sorry so those would be um morgan ash and they use what they call um mar so a morgan ash resilience score and then you have commentis too so both of these tools or you know applications are essentially um questionnaire I guess a little bit like underwriting but perhaps not in so much depth that you can use with a client uh, as you're meeting with them for the first time or you're doing review meetings but you can send it to them pre a meeting too so that you're aware of uh, you know any circumstances of vulnerability that might impact how you need to you know service that client look after them ensure that they're getting the best possible outcomes there are also new things popping up in the market that are passports, essentially, that clients can opt to use themselves so that you're aware of any you know, accessibility or consideration needs. Um, so, and it's, it's worth, you know, that there's quite a few of those. Um, it's, it's worth having a bit of a Google. There's also then when I talked about, you know, cognitive decline. If you are concerned about a client's mental state you you know you think that they've got severe cognitive decline and you don't know how to move forward because of course if a client doesn't have capacity you can't advise them 
again, there are some tools out there that will uh, that you can put in front of a client that will help um, assess their capacity. So there's TSF um, assessments. And again, Morgan Ash do another um, capacity assessment too. Both of these can be done with both of these companies, I think, either online. Um, it would have to be virtual, so it can't be on the phone. It would need to be through you know, Teams, Zoom, FaceTime, that kind of thing, or face-to-face -to -face too. And both of those companies have uh, clinical experts, nurses that are actually completing the assessment. So it's, you know, it, it's, clinic, it's clinical. And then you can put it on file to prove that they have capacity, or if they're losing capacity, you can take it then to the next steps. Sure. And um, so in the in, in the consumer duty uh, FCA document, they mentioned vulnerability 109 times. Um, so there's clearly a big emphasis from the FCA on vulnerability. Um, I think that, you know, what I've seen is that a lot of people are, are really putting emphasis on what I would regard as doing the right thing. And and, and ideas and I, I know you've invested a huge amount of your time as well in 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 doing some of those things what what sort of things can you do to raise your knowledge to build your empathy and, and the sort of things that you've done yourself sure so well actually we are in we are in the midst of creating a, um, a series of virtual reality training should anybody be interested in that that focuses very much on you know, empathy and, um, you know, empowering you to have these difficult conversations and knowing how to address it properly, I guess, with clients. So should anybody be interested in that, uh, we'll pop up some links and you know, please do take a look at those externally to um, me. <laughs> so I'm not pushing my own agenda. Uh, there's, you know, there's loads out in the industry. So the likes of um, CISI, and uh, just for example have training courses i guess that are you know modules that provide you with a, a certificate at the end that not only says that you've completed them and passed but of course get you all of your cpd hours too you can do things like train to be a mental health first aider or perhaps even a bereavement first aider through the likes of um cruise bereavement which you know is, is that's obviously one of the highest uh, drivers of vulnerability that we have and probably will always have is, is always a really good thing to do. There are things like the Altus and, and Tizer vulnerability radar. So that I think helps you as a, as a practice, as an industry, as a company, as a firm, assess where you are and perhaps what more you need to do um, to be good at this in, in ensuring that you've got good client outcomes. So that's maybe a good thing to do first so that you know which direction you need educating in. And, you know, if, if you're somebody who's not a fan of reading through the FCA document, and it's not the easiest piece of reading in the world, have a bit of a Google for some of the podcasts that exist around it instead. Actually, maybe you take on information like that far better and it, it you know, it might resonate with you a little bit more. Brilliant. And um, <laughs> just thinking about um, probably one of the topics that comes up quite a lot around um, having third parties uh, involved. And I know different companies take different approaches to third parties, but it feels to me like it's good practice, um, especially where there's a vulnerability to have a third party and then maybe where there's an older client as well. Um, what, what, what would you say are the sort of key benefits of having the third party in, in the room uh, in those situations? 
So meeting the, the, the third party, like you mentioned earlier with uh, your wife, Marina, you know, you you made sure that you picked an advisor really that she liked rather than you, right? Because if you are hit by this bus that you're so determined that you're going to be hit by, it's Marina that will then deal with the financial advisor, not not you. And and that makes it, you know, imagine if she hadn't met the financial advisor, not only does she not know whether she likes them or not, there's a stranger walking in the room to talk about a really sensitive subject that probably going to make the well almost definitely going to make the situation worse not better so it's always a good idea to meet you know even if you just say hi hello nice to meet you so you know my face you know my voice have a cup of coffee with them you don't talk about the finances you know who this person is um i i mentioned earlier as well you know if something were to happen to a client and you need that emergency contact again it's a really good position for you to be in as a financial advisor that you know who to kind of lean on and, and call on. And, you know, actually, most of us still squirrel all of our money away to leave to our dependents, our loved ones, when we're not here. And actually, you know, so intergenerational planning is always a big thing. And actually, if you if you are investing all of your hard-earned money for your children, say, you want to make sure that they're looked after when you're not here. So making sure that they know that financial advisor so they can support them, it, you know, seems sensible to me. And the, and the other thing that's sort of come out recently is around um, alternative formats. So, you know, clients needing stuff printed on pink paper uh, for the, to help them if they have dyslexia or, or large fonts. Um, and I think it's, you know, it, it, people adapting um, and, and just thinking about, obviously, if they're producing a document, what would happen if a client needs that in a different format? Um, you know, we've had some where, where we've, we've had to turn things into audio, for example. Um, so, so just thinking about, about you know, the producing documents, you should always ask yourself, am I able to turn that document into another format is it an accessible document and i think the sort of the, the previous days of sheer you know producing lots of volume documents you you know may may be dwindling slightly because of the need for different formats and it's quite a complex area isn't it super complex i mean neurodiversity is something that's talked about a lot more now which is great but i still think that people haven't quite grasped how big uh, the issue is. And I say issue, not that neurodiversity is an issue, but for example, I can almost guarantee that nearly every company sends out all of their comms and letters, et cetera, to a client on super white paper with black font. And actually a lot of people who are, you know, dyslexic, for example, or dyspraxic, what have you, find that really difficult to read on. So why do we all send out white blank paper, white paper with black writing? And actually, you know, it, it, yes, some clients might have their own color overlays, but we should be talking about these things and actually making it, making all of our documents a bit more accessible to them. Yeah, and you can get, um, so with dyslexia, with dyslexia, you can get uh, a, well, you can actually get a, a, sheet, a sheet of pink, yeah, the plastic, yeah. Laptop, or you can actually get software that turns your screen to different colors 
So um, I think it's, you know, it, it may be that the document needs changing or that the tools to help the person read it need changing. Um, there are tools that turn documents into audio. Um, so I use them quite a lot where, where you can take a PDF and turn it into audio um, and, uh, and that brings it to life. I've never had a really exciting person read it to me. It's always a, 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 an automated reader. But, but in essence, in essence you, there are tools that people can use rather than always changing, uh, changing the document. So we're coming sort of to the to, to the end of the conversation, and one of the, one of the things we always like to leave our listeners with are three incredible ideas um, to uh, to help them going forward. And in this case, in terms of vulnerability, so what would you say are the sort of three great tips that people should be left with? So I'm I'm, I'm going to stick with the theme of you know the conversation rightly. So. The importance of emergency contacts is always going to be number one for me. So that, you know, that the power of attorney, the, the person on file that, that you know, that your client trusts, that you can contact. Make sure you meet them somehow. You know how to get a hold of them. They're involved if and when they need to be to support your client. That's probably always going to be my top one, that third party uh, presence. The next one for me, I would say in 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 the vulnerability space, I guess, is to try and remember to think of the client in front of you as a human as opposed to a client. You know, if it was your wife, your husband, your daughter, your cousin, your best mates out in front of you telling you about this particular situation, what would you say to them? How would you handle it rather than thinking, OK, you know, corporately or professionally I need to do x y and z to tick the to tick these boxes talk to them like a human have you know trust yourself to have that empathy try not to become overly rigid with that I guess and then uh lastly yeah accessibility you know accessibility is is not just wheelchair access I guess which is potentially an old-fashioned view of what accessibility means you know can is your website accessible are your applications accessible are your documents accessible you know are you making sure that they can be used by screen readers are you offering things like those colored overlays are your fonts accessible you know there's 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 three fonts i think off the top of my head and i should know this but but i've got it written down in the policy so i don't have to remember off the top of my head but there are i think only like three fonts that are definitely readable by everybody so if you put fancy squiggles all over your documentation it, it might look nice to some but to some it just becomes completely unreadable unreadable <laughs> and um in true desert island disc uh fashion the waves are going to come in and take two of your ideas away uh which of the the which of the hints would you like people just to remember forever uh the third party because the third party can help make it accessible the third party can help you not treat the client as a tick box so i think the third party you know that emergency contact that power of attorney is the key brilliant thank you so much for your time uh today hannah and sharing your insights today really 
informative uh, and always great to catch up with you. Thank you. No problem. Nice to see you. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.